We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Like Kobe in a fourth quarter. This is the Dane Moore NBA podcast brought to you by the Genesis Company. Uh, coming at you Saturday night. It's April 15th. I'm joined in Denver by Britt Robson from MinPost. Britt, uh, we have a playoff series that, that starts tomorrow, 24 hours, Wolves Nuggets. Uh, so, well, I, I, I do want to talk with you about the, the Thunder matchup. I think probably the best way to both preview the series and to talk about last night is to make sure we preview uh, the series. And then I think we'll naturally hit on the, sure. the, the bit See pieces. If they can replicate. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, well, that's, that is the question, right? Replication has not been this team's strong suit. Not at all. Um, I, as I was just sitting in my hotel, thinking what to talk about and think about the series that I feel very currently unprepared uh, to, to discuss. Cause the plan is just a whirlwind. I just kind of sat there pulling up the Nuggets roster, pulling up the Wolves roster and being like, even for the Wolves, who plays? Right, you know, right. who, who is going to play in this series? So as to even begin thinking about, you know, who guards a Jokic or a Michael Porter Jr. or right. a Jamal Murray. And then obviously the Wolves are super shorthanded right now. They've gone basically seven guys maybe seven and a half guys in these last two two playing games. What do you think Finch has to do uh, in terms of not only how many players they go deep, but in terms of who who starts uh, in this matchup so as to be able to match up with what Denver has? Who, who plays? Well, what's interesting, I mean, one of the things I was thinking about is that I imagine, you know, when you when you play in the same if high school, college, whatever, if you match up with people often, um, it doesn't really matter if they get really good. Mm-hmm. The times when they were bad, you remember those too. And so the Wolves have actually had pretty good luck against Jokic teams. I mean, much more than say Embiid teams, it seems to me. I mean, it just it, it just feels Jokic has never felt like omnipotent as 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 omnipotent as he is in the NBA. Mm-hmm. I mean, when I see Jokic destroying teams, it's not usually the Wolves. Yeah. I mean, you know. So I think that's a that's a 
a silver lining to cling to. Um, I think in particular, Cat's in a great rhythm and Cat doesn't fear Jokic. And I think those are two nice things to put side by side, you know, uh, to imagine. Um, I'm, I wouldn't be surprised if Cat gets 28, 11, and 6 tomorrow. But does he guard Jokic? Probably not. So you think they go Rudy on him? I think it'll be, you know, Jokic has seen everything, but yeah. I think team, it's like guarding Curry. Who guards Curry, quote unquote? Right. Uh, I do think that Gobert will be on Jokic simply because Gobert is out there for his defense. And if you're going to sell out somebody to guard Jokic, even if it's away from the basket, I think it will be Jokic. Because um, what, what I think about is the, the game they won against them. Mm -hmm. No cat in that game. Right. I don't but cat didn't play in any of the matchups against the Nuggets this year. Uh but slow -mo. The, the matchup was slow mo on Jokic and they had Rudy in that spiral lurking off of Aaron Gordon. Off Aaron, Aaron I Gordon, right. don't even I just remember having talked about that so right. much over the course of the year. I'm pretty sure Aaron Gordon shot four for eighteen in that game. Mm -hmm. And and it worked as well as you to, to make Jokic. It right. made Jokic not omnipotent, to, right? To, right. To, to yeah, use your point. word, and and as soon as you said that, as soon as you you mentioned um, that game where they, you know, I mean, almost no one played aside mm. from that other game, the game they won with everybody there. Yes, um, slow mo did do a decent job on Jokic, um, and Rudy did too because he wasn't on Jokic. But mm. you don't. It's like. A, my original point was whoever is guarding Jokic, it's ultimately a team effort because he's going to be at the top of the key. He's going to be at the nail. He's going to be at the post. He's going to be underneath the basket. Um, and so, and he's going to be counteracting. He's going to be watching what you do and using his vast array of skills to find the seam in what you're giving him. Um, so, the less predictable you are, I think the better off you are. Um, but I did confidently say they'd put Rudy on him, and, and the, you just reminded me that there are other ways to do it. But I, I think even if, you, even if you're Chris Finch and you say, my favorite way to guard Nikola Jokic is by putting Kyle Anderson on, on him and having Rudy Gobert lurk, I think the move is to have Kyle come off the bench, actually. I think you obviously have is to actually Cat. actively preferring that. I mean, to mm -hmm. start Torian Prince and then Nah over slow-mo, right. you know that what he wants is that playmaking with the second unit because those guys need good shots. Right. There's not an automatic guy who can get their own shot in that second unit necessarily. I mean, ants on the floor, but mm -hmm. you know what I mean. That, um, that's why I would think... You start Torian Prince, guys. I think a lot of people will expect, oh, you got to start start Nikhil Alexander Walker again after what he did in it's the last. It's all matchups, right? But it's all matchups, and the matchup in this case will be Michael Porter Jr. And I think the best matchup for Michael Porter Jr. that the Wolves have to give is Torian Prince, right? I would agree with that. I mean, unless it's slow mo, but even then, I mean, he comes by his name honestly, and um, <laughs> you know. I, it depends on what – here is where my ignorance of Denver shows through. I don't know if the four or five games I've seen of Denver this year 
um, have been sporadically arrayed in a way that uh, I don't know what the consistency that I've seen is at the actual consistency of the way they've played. Sure. Uh, but I, what I will say is that Michael Porter Jr. is playing much better defense than he was. I unfairly labeled him a, a bad defender, and statistically he's not. And after I did that podcast, I had a lot of people who are Nuggets people that you mm-hmm. know defend his defense. And I looked it up, and his defense is actually better. They're better on the floor, I think, mm-hmm. defensively. Um, so I think that you have a situation where if you're guarding Porter with Torian Prince, who has something to prove. I mean, Torian Prince was not a good matchup for SGA and SGA, you know, the, the difference between Nah on SGA and Prince on SGA the other night was stark. Totally. I mean, you could tell when alpha scores have gone from a troublesome matchup to a better matchup because they suddenly light up. Even if they're missing shots, they're taking shots. I mean, they're just... That happened in the Pelicans matchup, too, also against Torian Prince. I mean, Brandon Ingram was kind of rolling against Jaden. Yeah, he was. I mean, uh, but you're right. I mean, the thing about Torian Prince is that... uh, I don't mean that to say that Torian's a bad defender. He's just not a... But he's a charge taker, and he is a... um, He's not a physical defender, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, well, no, I would. De- he's a physical defender. Torian Prince is a physical player. He's a physical, yeah, but he's just a- not a lateral. Like I'm gonna shut off the main guy's water. He's 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 not that. Whereas Jaden is, and Nikhil theoretically can be that. It, it's, it's a different archetype of perimeter I, defender. I guess what I would say though is when I see Jaden and Nikhil Alexander Walker guarding people in space. I feel like um, I don't feel like they take bad angles. I feel like they have um, really good foot movement. I feel like Torian Prince. It's almost like a, a a batter who is guessing on pitches. It's two and one. He's got to throw me a fastball. Mm. I think Prince is. I like that. Is guessing on what the guy is going to do, and not sells up, but sells a lot of it to stop that and so um to the extent that that's physical it's a guess physical okay you know whereas i think nah has a way of guarding people Jaden has a way of guarding people um they just like keep this bubble of space between them and the player they're guarding definitely Jaden. yes yeah. that definitely his style. rewatching the game from last night on the plane and like being like okay i knew Nikhil did a good job on sga what was it? And and that's what it was. These like head down drives and Nikhil was fast enough to move at the pace with him while also staying in his space right. without fouling. Right. Um, it was. Yeah. It, it popped even more than it did to me live rewatching it. And I have not rewatched it, but that is the Jade McDaniel style. Yeah. The difference is, is that not guards straight up. It's a, he uses all of his six, six. Mm hmm. I mean, he's not in a crouch much, it seems, when he's doing that stuff, which I would think is really hard, <laughs> yeah. you know, hard not to foul or not to topple over, you know? Right. Um, but he, he, Nod doesn't strike me as lithe. He strikes me as um, a staccato defender. Sure. 
at the same time, it is his style, and it it's not guesswork. It's it's sweat equity. Um, I think he's who you want to have, or you want him guarding Jamal Murray. Obviously, not going to be oh, in the, that would the be starting great. lineup. You know, that is. I think that's an excellent idea. Um, I'll tell you who he Nah is a rich man's Austin Rivers. Yeah, who would like to be. Because Austin Rivers likes to dig into people mm -hmm. in a certain way, but just doesn't isn't physically capable enough to do it without following anymore. Is speaking of Austin or just going down the line a little bit more? I mean, okay, so let's for the sake of this, let's assume Torian Prince starts a small forward. Yes. So we got Conley, Edwards, Prince, Towns, Gobert as the starting lineup. Obviously, you know you're going to get Kyle Anderson. I think obviously you know you're going to get Nikhil Alexander Walker. Right. Uh, Jordan McLaughlin has been playing awful uh, of late. He would Scant be scant minutes, right? He would be the next most likely, you know, to to play right. there. Jalen Noel, whether it's knee or Finch not having confidence in him specifically, specifically his defense, you know, that's another option there. I guess I, it's some. It's going to have to be more than seven guys that play in the series. And that's yes, what he said numerous times the other night. Yes, he did. He said he has to extend his bench. I mean, are you uh, going to say Josh Bidot right now? I am. <laughs> Me and Kyle recorded last night too, and it was the first time I was like, "Yeah, you know, I you maybe have a point." The the guy, you can't teach size and enthusiasm, you know, and that he has a lot of both of those things. Josh Bidot is one of those guys that um, it's really fun that he's like. Six nine because he's probably going to wind up being like six ten and a half, <laughs> and he plays gangly. Oh yeah, gangly guys are are, you know, they're fun in the NBA once they figure it out. I mean, if he doesn't play in this series, that desperately calls for kind of exactly what you're describing right there. That to me means that they feel he is not mentally ready, as in he doesn't have his head wrapped around the offensive and or defensive the concept schemes. of this. He's team. definitely, uh, he plays like he doesn't know the schemes. He may know this, but we don't, that's the thing is we've never seen him enough. There's just been so many opportunities throughout the season that this team has been shorthanded and playing a Bryn Forbes when you needed a small forward instead of, but of here's him. what I've seen from Minot. One of the reasons I like him, but one of the reasons I'm sure the coaching staff doesn't, is that he gets a lot of stuff, I think, by breaking the scheme yes. and doing something that works. And the person you don't want, opponent you don't want to do that against... Is Jokic. Is Jokic. <laughs> right, right. But again, I mean, it it literally has to be someone. One of these guys right. ha has to play. And I will tell you, if you, if you give me Jalen Noel, both sides of the court, Austin Rivers, both sides of the court, uh, I am leaning more toward J-Mac. I know that I'm becoming very Jace Frederick-like in my <laughs> uh, defense of J-Mac under adverse circumstances. Um, I, I would agree. Uh, for, for the record, that would be my that would be my eighth guy. I would it say might not need to go to nine as well. J-Mac or, or Minot. I mean, I really are, depending on what is working for Denver and what you need to shut down. See, I, I think this is where the matchup comes in a little bit too, is like, so the Lakers... When right. when J Mac was out there, they put he LeBron drove twice on against Le once against LeBron and once against AD, uh, yeah, it, and the other night he drove against somebody. I mean, 
the word is out that you don't guard J-Mac, and J-Mac's trying to rebut the word, and all he's doing is reinforcing the word. I mean, that's the problem right now with J-Mac. I mean, in a nutshell, it's always been that he can't shoot very well. Mm -hmm. You know, and as Jim Pete notably said, I mean, at USC, he's like he's still in the top five all time as a scorer. Right. But um, it's because he got the most out of his ability and physically he can't go further. Yeah, it's like it's not that J-Mac can't go. I love how we're going deep on J-Mac, who, who might not even play. <laughs> well, but uh, but, but, but that, that, precisely but this, this is, that's why we're going deep on him. Because someone he, has to play. And not only that, but who has led the Wolves in net rating the past two years? Good point. I mean, good things happen when J-Mac's on the floor, whether you want to just mm -hmm. engage in magical thinking and, and think that he just is coincidentally incredibly lucky, <laughs> or he's doing things that matter. Uh, he does put pace in the game. I'm a firm believer. I mean, I've come to this partly because I feel like it's my theory. So uh, naturally, I'm defending it more, but... When there is a catalyst for pace on the floor, I think all of the Wolves play better. Yeah, I think that's why Jalen Noel plays much better on paper than he does in the eye test. And the same thing is kind of happening with J-Mac at certain times. If Cat and Slow-Mo and even Mike Conley to some extent, the, the people who really kind of matter to the temperature of this team get sped up a little. Rudy is the noteworthy exception to that rule. But um, when when the team gets sped up a little bit, um, good things happen. And, and Nas was a talisman for that this year. Right. Uh, I mean, the the some of the most joyous moments of the season were Nas breakouts alongside Ant and J-Mac and, you know, the old Iowa Ants lineup. The whole Iowa Ants lineup. So, but, Rest in peace. But back to, yes, exactly. Back to reality here. Um, Finch says you have to expand the bench. If he goes yet again to Austin Rivers, it will be political. It will be, I mean, I happen to think that the relationship between Austin Rivers and the Wolves is over. But um, I would love to be wrong. I would I would love to Yeah, cuz there's there's some gray in there, right? Uh in terms of he was out of the rotation before he got the illness and he seemed to get the illness as bad as anyone did on the team and then now he's been stapled to the bench. And um he was always a team guy politically. It was a political stance for mm -hmm. him to take. He's a journeyman. He cannot be a team guy and shut up and not play because he's got to try to prove himself in the training camps next year. I mean, yeah. he's at the end of the line and um, he's a smart player. He's great with the media. He's good in the locker room. I imagine he's not good in the locker room with some people, but I do feel like uh, he's the son of a coach and knows what to say and knows how to play. He also played for the Denver Nuggets last year. Good. Very good point. But I think he's fighting Father Time, and I think Father Time right now is, you know, they mm -hmm. may call it soon, you know. <laughs> um, let's uh, 
let's take a break and then pivot over to the other side. We talked a little bit about how um, how the Wolves will guard Denver. Right. And and I think to kind of highlight Cat and Ant and the mismatches that the, the Wolves can have, uh, let, let, let's talk about what, what the Nuggets have to offer. But let's take our first break here. Today's show is brought to you by Land and Lore. If you're a dude who is still washing your face using a bar of soap or nothing at all, this one is for you. It's time to stop living like a caveman and start taking care of yourself with Land and Lore, the only men's skincare brand that doesn't suck. Let's face it, if you don't look good, you don't feel good, and if you don't feel good, you're not going to do good. So start your day off like you care and use Land and Lore. Your partner will thank you, and we'll be proud of you for at least trying. Fans of the podcast have even more reason to start caring. Use promo code 20CAVEMAN at checkout on Amazon.com to get 20% off our face cleaner or moisturizer. And extra credit if you leave a review, that's 20CAVEMAN for 20% off Land and Lore at Amazon.com. These two products are proven to help you look your best. So upgrade your life with Land and Lore today. Your face and your partner will thank you for it. Today's show is brought to you by Hyacinth Restaurant in St. Paul. I've been telling you all season about Hyacinth with their amazing food and warm, inviting atmosphere. And with the sun starting to come out, this is the perfect time to check out Hyacinth. Hyacinth does partner with local farms and their chefs visit the Metro Farmers Markets four times a week as these markets open back up. So you know that no matter when you are eating at Hyacinth, you are having the freshest and most vibrant food Minnesota has to offer. St. Paul does have the reputation for being the sleepier of the two Twin Cities. And just like the Wolves are trying to change the narrative around their organization, Hyacinth wants your help to change the narrative about St. Paul. Hyacinth is also offering a $10 gift card for every reservation made after 8 p.m. So to receive your gift card, make a reservation on their website at hyacinthstpaul.com and you will receive the gift card on arrival. Limit one gift card per party and you must follow through with your reservation. So no show, no gift card. And then finally, Hyacinth is happy to announce the return of their sidewalk patio beginning Tuesday, May 16th. What started as a pandemic pivot has become a tradition at the restaurant. Reservations specifically for outdoor dining can also be made at their website, which is again, hyacinthstpaul.com. That's three more reasons to try out Hyacinth and St. Paul, a restaurant that has become a favorite of mine in the Twin Cities. All right, we're back with Britt Robson. Uh, Britt, as we're talking about, <laughs> spent the first segment of a Wolves Nuggets series preview talking about who the ninth and 10th man will be. Um, <laughs> I'm going to kind of do the other thing, same thing sure. on the other side is Denver doesn't have a good bench either. No, they, they have, Christian they have Braun. They have Brown. Brown, Christian Brown. That's going to get butchered throughout this whole series. So go, we'll, though, we'll, 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 we'll get it out the there. The fact that we don't know how to pronounce it is already well, an indictment. The, the two, they're kind of in the same place where they have two reliable bench players in Bruce Brown and Christian Brown yes, exactly. spelled differently. Um, and then it's a lot of question marks for them too. It's Jeff Green. It's Vladko Chanchar. It's uh, Reggie Jackson. Jeff it's Green Zignaggi. is very similar to the way I just described Austin. Austin oh, totally. That's <laughs> yes. um, so. I, I I say that to mean maybe that presents some opportunities for uh, Jordan McLaughlin to not be guarded by someone of LeBron James's caliber. Right. And those those players that the the Nuggets are going to put in the Browns. Are defensive players yes, who are. will be guarding Ant as Ant stays in with the bench, or uh, Mike Conley in, in that sort of way. They are guys who are taking on primary matchups. That's that's what those two, as I understand it, right. uh, give them. So I, I say that to mean I actually think you can blend a 
Jalen Noel in a little bit better, a Jordan McLaughlin in a That's little a bit better. Point. I would also another one I want to name I want to throw out too, so long as we're throwing out Josh Minot and right. Austin Rivers. Yeah. We shouldn't totally brush over Wendell Moore either. I, I don't know. I mean, just from this like it sounds crazy you mean to play. It's like a three minute eating. I don't know. I mean, in the same way you're talking about Josh Minot. Right. I, I yeah, but I at least I, I think I think there's a vast difference between the two. I think one is the safe choice. It's what we're talking about with concept, though. I know. And and I, I feel more confident in Wendell Moore's ability to execute concept than Josh Minot. And that's, again, this isn't based in much I don't want to play the one seed that way. I don't want to play the one seed mm-hmm. with a logic. And probably some people are listening to this and are like, this is the playoffs. Just, you know, just play seven guys. And and the thing is, is one, altitude. that That's right. a factor here. Two, the Wolves have had a pretty hellish week and actually pretty hellish in terms of physically taxing like three weeks here. Right. And four, I don't think the Wolves are in very good shape. Right. I don't think Anthony Edwards is in very good shape. Obviously, Rudy Gobert's dealing with the back. Cat's apparently not at 100%. Uh, you know, I think Kyle Maybe Anderson fatigues. <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, so they, they are just a team that has to, right. to go a little right. bit deeper. Right. Um, but I think some of those guys can blend in against the the Nuggets bench and that not be as glaring of an issue as it was in the two playing games. But let's let's think about Denver and and how they're going to guard the Wolves and you know the as the cliche goes your defensive game plan is cutting off the head of the snake. What is the head of the snake for the Wolves? Very good question. Uh, right now what I would try to do is get in Cat's head. I was going to make a Josh Minot joke there. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what you want to do is rattle Cat. What you want to do is turn Cat into a saboteur. Um, but there is a little Cat in Jokic. See, that's the thing. I mean, the Wolves might want to try to be doing the same thing, you know. Um, Jokic does his little overhand hand flip that I'm doing, you know, and also, puts his I mean, palms to the sky. Jokic gets doubled and, uh, you know, get, they, we've seen it and we've seen everything. And I keep coming back to the idea that certain teams and certain individuals against those teams are better or worse. Uh, Jokic may come tomorrow night opening game of their first time as a number one seed at home and just go crazy and blitz everybody and make this whole little segment I'm saying here is silly. But I think for whatever reason, even though Jokic gets his numbers, his impact isn't huge. Um, I mean, as huge, obviously, Jokic is. I, I think Jokic should be the MVP this year over Embiid and Giannis. But, you know, three in a row. But I do think that he is less effective against the Wolves for whatever reason. And I think some of it is that um, the Wolves just play a less predictable game against him. Sure. Um, but who does he guard? Is, is he if if Cat is the head of the snake? Is I he guarding? No, Kat? I mean you don't want Jokic guarding. Okay, the head but then of the snake. but then who? Th- this is where the Wolves present matchup problems because yeah. Aaron Gordon's going to be on Anthony Edwards, right? Or is I guess maybe that's KCP. There's a guy we have not mentioned. He's like a I. Uh, here's a, uh, yet another occasion where I have to admit I'm wrong. 
Um, I thought the Barton Amante Morris trade for KCP was was a stupid trade, and it really cinched up some things for Denver. Mm -hmm. That guy, they're starting Leno. Huh? It locked in that fifth starting oh, lineup spot. Oh, not only that, he led the team in minutes this year. Mm. And he has a, a superb net rating. And whenever I saw, you know, this is one thing I, I am sure of. Uh, I saw only four or five Denver games dotted different times really? of the year. You only saw that few Denver. I feel like I watched a lot of Denver this year. Maybe you did. I didn't. I mean, we watched very different things. Yeah. For some reason, Denver wasn't on my radar as much. Uh, I was you know, too busy like watching NBA Pel Finals Pelicans or something. Contender. You know? <laughs> well, you know, I don't, I mean, I don't know why. No. I mean, you like certain teams for certain reasons. Yeah. I've seen Jokic, you know. Um, but KCP, the every game I saw, uh, he's a factor. Mm. And I don't think it's uh, – he's played next to really good players on really good teams, and he knows how to be a glue guy. Yeah. And uh, he's got a lot of, you know, on a scale of uh, – one to ten, he's got a lot of sixes and sevens in his skill set, and and those become eights and nines if that's all you do. Right. It's like Finch said the other night about um, I can't remember who it was, but he said he know. Oh, I think it might have been Naw. That's it was. It was a maturation of Naw. He said that he knows what he's good at now. Right. KCP knows what he's good at, and that is um, being a spark when they need a spark, running the floor. He's got good pace, uh, and understanding when more talented players have a, an advantage that he can abet if he can if he can guard ant reasonably well in this series that's big because then you don't have to put aaron gordon far and away your best perimeter defender on him or i don't know if that's far and away i mean maybe some denver people would go but right. he guard he's guarded ant throughout this season and right. and, la and last season as well and i think done uh, done a good job there. But if you could put KCP on Ant, then you can put Gordon on Cat. You could put Jokic on Gobert. Well, and if you don't, how many games did Cat play against Denver this year? Zero. Whew, that's great. Because they don't know the Cat Jokic. I mean, the Cat uh, Gobert. The only, the only double big look they saw of the Wolves this year was Nas Reed and Luka Garza. <laughs> <laughs> well... That game and was that was that stupid. farce game, though. No, it wasn't the farce game. That oh. was the game they almost won. Oh, uh, remember where the offense completely, the Wolves' offense completely dried up in the last, like they didn't score for the last four minutes of the game. Is honestly very much like the the Lakers game. The farce game was right before the trade deadline, and the Wolves were it was actually a back to back. It was like almost like a yes. double farce game. Yeah, yeah, there was like <laughs> double farce. Um, because Denver just was saying, "All right, we'll go one and one. We're not going to bring yeah, anybody here. They actually we're going to destroy them when they come to Denver." And that's exactly what happened. It is what happened. Um, but I mean, that that's cat should be a real problem for for them in Absolutely. this in this series. Who's like the matchup. I well, it would you know, it's it's it would be Gordon. And and then that, you know, that frees up Ant a little bit more. Now it's, you know, Mike Conley's but you're being right guarded by KCP. Jamal Murray. Like, KCP is like 6'4", six, 6'5". Six, He's mm -hmm. as big as Ant. I, I would assume one thing in the Denver plan, scout, for the, for the series is at all times two of Aaron Gordon, KCP, and Bruce Brown are on the floor. Bruce Brown so will as, also be important. You're right. So as to have... You know, one of them on Ant and one of them on Cat. Right. Um, 
or well, and have Gordon be be on Cat in in that way. Uh, certainly, when Cat and Ant are on the floor, which will together, which will be the the majority of the game there. <clears throat> but I do wonder, excuse me, um, whether or not you try Porter on Cat. No, 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 no. I, guess, I mean, <laughs> well, I mean, if he's going to be a perimeter guy, if Cat goes off the dribble, you have to expect that and be ready to play against. But that—that's like I know Michael Porter's six ten, but but he treats that the same way he treated it when uh, Malik Beasley or Austin Reeves got switched onto him. Cat mm-hmm. sees, okay, I got that. I'm going to the nail right away, if not the block. Mm-hmm. And and that's what—that's like that's a broader cap point in this is is recognition of matchup in this and recognition of opportunity because I asked you who the head of the snake is and to me it's 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 so obvious that it is cat um in it it has been anyway for the last two weeks and uh, given the matchups you would think that that's strengthened what what about though I mean some people would and I I think probably some people parachuting in to watch the wolves for you know the the first time in a playoff series are gonna think that ant is going to be looking like James Harden, right? In terms of usage mm-hmm. and, and utility in, and Ant has not looked like that at all since Cat get, got back. And, you know, part of that was the illness that he had, uh, the, the, the rolled ankle. Um, and then, you know, whatever happened with the, the shoulder after the Lakers game, but Ant has not looked like a primary option for almost a month now. And what makes that interesting, what makes him already have taken at least a lot of the leap anyway, is his numbers are strong. You know? He's one of those feel, guys. I don't feel his play has been strong. Exactly. Why, why, where, what do you mean his numbers are strong? He was terrible in the Lakers game. Well, that was, yeah, the f- four for 17 is an outlier, though. He oftentimes, you think Ants had a bad game, he's got like 24, 8, and 6. Well, what's the shooting? Well, again, he's not he's not an efficient scorer, right? He had, I mean, that's the thing. I mean, if you're talking about scoring efficiency, but I think my point is that I believe that Ant doesn't satisfy the eye test in terms of ball movement and rebounds necessarily that much either. I have not been. Put it this way, I call it January Ant. The the ant I saw when Cat went down and he had about three or four weeks to figure it out, yep. and then he figured it out and it was January. That player was invaluable to this team. To win this series, Britt, which I again, long odds. Right. Are both obviously picking the Nuggets to, to win this series if you had to. Um the way you do it is you fuse together what Cat has been. For these last six games, you get January Ant, you get a healthy Rudy doing basic Rudy stuff. Doesn't need to be anything spectacular. Um, and then you have the flow and ball movement that the Kyle Andersons, the Mike Conleys, and the the Torian Princes, you know, have provided. Those are I talked about it last night. After you remember when Mike was talking last yeah. night, he was like, "It is possible to to be done." I did it and. 2011, he was with Memphis when they beat the San Antonio Spurs in the 1-8 matchup. Uh, but what Mike said is, you can't take anything for granted. Every one of your, to summarize, every one of your possible advantages you took advantage of in the series. Mm-hmm. And 
I do think the Wolves are the eighth seed that has enough advantages that it is enough buttons. If they push them all simultaneously, it's they could win. It's a tempting upset pick. Exactly. Yeah, I guess that's that's the far more concise way to do it. But it's it's about what you know what what are those buttons that they could press. And it's worth noting that this Wolves team has never simultaneously pushed all of those buttons together in any game ever. Well, you could say that, you know, right now they're, again, two games over 500, and they are currently 0-9 when they're two games over 500. <laughs> so what does that mean? I mean, if you win four out of seven <laughs> and you go into it two games over 500, right. you have to play better than you've played all year against ambient NBA opponents seven games against the number one mm -hmm. seed in the West. You and have to be monstrously improved. The argument to pr disprove both of our points that people would say is, well, they've never had the group all together to be able to, uh, to be able to, do I mean, I, it's not my argument. I'm just saying like, that's why that's what uh, a very positive Bulls fan would say in yeah, the, the, what, the counter What they're saying is, I mean, they're, what they're saying is the ceiling is still up there. Look, that ceiling up there, that's that's see that ceiling? There it is. Um, but if you never But if we were Chris Finch and Mike Nori and we were game planning for this series, we would say, Okay, that's the ceiling. What do we do to get to that ceiling? Or how do we at least grab the low hanging fruit that's hanging from that ceiling? Yeah, I would agree. What I would say is I think that there's the way they get to that ceiling is to not point to the ceiling. I think that this team Interesting. needs to be fly around fundamentals combination in the right way. And I think what you do, I mean, and Finch is doing, he is counting on Mike Conley and slow-mo to regulate the room or the court in this particular case to be the guys who settle it down. Um, and I think so much of how good of an opponent the Wolves will be won't have much to do with Denver. I think can Cat retain his poise and his maturity over a seven game or even a four or five or six game span, can he give you reliable production? Um, can Ant recognize what he needs to do efficiently on offense and remain a bulwark on defense? Can Rudy Gobert get over the fact that he's a role player and play that role really well. Can Na come off the bench with the same intensity when it isn't his cousin and shut people down? I mean, all of those things require a certain steadiness, but at the same time, it's not boring basketball. It's not like fundament the fundamentals are there. But the fundamentals only work if you've got, if Cat is playing with those. I mean, Cat's quick decision making has actually been stunning. 
I mean, we, we because yeah. the games are so big, if th- these were, if Cat was playing the games he's just been playing in February, we'd be focusing on, can we get this Cat when it matters? Yeah, right. <laughs> you know, and so, the, but, but the fact that, the, you know, the, they spit the bit against the Lakers and, you know, they won him probably, you know, there were fights and punches all over the place against New Orleans that kind of mucked up the waters. And then the the Thunder game was a team domination. But through the through line on all of that stuff was at least two or three great quarters from Cat. And the games before then, for the most part, I mean, the, the pouting game against uh, the Blazers stands out. But other than that. Yeah, I, I thought it was... Uh... I thought Jack asked Cat a good question last night about that emotional composure. And and I think we brush over that sometimes when it he actually is emotionally composed. Right. Because it is so much more glaring when he isn't. And I I think like I, I would say for me, why I don't I, I, I don't prescribe as much weight to that is because I still feel like no matter what, even when Carl is emotionally composed, he still thinks the refs are out to get him or he's, but you know, a match on the pile away from burning up, but he hasn't. And, and it, it, it it's my overall personally, like my overall confliction with Cap. I mean, the other night in the second quarter, maybe even the end of the first quarter against the thunder, he got a call. It was a borderline call, but I think it was the right call. It was one of those calls that if it goes against you at the time, you're going to feel a little bit pissed. And he put the ball right in front of the ref and then dropped it and walked along. If any NBA player needs to be thinking about sucking up in subtle ways to the refs, it's Cat. I mean, you put in all this time for your skills – and yet your interpersonal skills are that shitty that you don't realize that the refs think you're a punk and then you act like a punk. You, you know, I have a interesting comparison to that. Like cat is extremely respectful, kind, cordial way goes out of his way to talk to uh, you and I, uh, he, and, 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 and like, great. Yeah. And, and, what you the term you could use there is sucks up to us, sucks up to the media. Yeah. And it and I think that is I, I think he's a nice guy. I think we have good relationships with him. Be better if he was rude to but, me and sucking up to the rest. I'm, I'm, that's not what I'm that, <laughs> that's not where I'm going. I'm know, just saying that it, that is a tactic on, on some level right. to cat. You've also covered him How his well entire career. <laughs> I, I mean, who has ripped Cat more than me? I'm, but that's not that. That's not my point. That's not the angle I'm I going sorry, with. That sorry, I just sorry. think it. I just think it's interesting that he does that, and and it's not just me and you. It's, it's right. The, that's his. That is his general tactic with the media. Is to he's never blown a fuse on us ever. Right, you've covered him for all eight years. I, I can't remember a time. No, exactly. Which is which is interesting right. because he has blown. I can't remember because how he's many got fuses. bad coverage, tons. Yeah, but but it's it, it's an interesting thing because I think the again quote unquote sucking up is a tactic so as to self preservation, right? In in his image, 
is, is what that would be in in ways. And again, I don't want this to get all like blown out of whatever proportion. We do have relationships with him. I and have we're around him all the time. It's like a right. It's not like a coworker, but somebody you see at work when you walk down the hallway all the time. Um, it's just I'd never really thought about it like this. It is interesting to me that he does not apply that same tactic whatsoever with the referees. And before I go any bit further down this path, we're going to take another, we're going to take another break. Today's show is sponsored by Shady Rays. Kick off the new year with new gear built to last. Our friends at Shady Rays have you covered from the sun to the slopes with premium polarized shades, customizable snow goggles, and much more. Shady Rays is an independent sunglasses company that offers a world-class product that's just as good as any expensive pair we've worn durable frames and extremely clear optics for outdoor adventures. It's not all Shady Rays offers the most insane protection in all of eyewear. Every pair of sunglasses is backed by lost and broken replacements. If you lose or break your pair, even on day one, they told us they will send you a brand new pair, no questions asked. Wear your Shady Rays with confidence because they have your back after you purchase. With Shady Rays, you can look good and feel good. To date, they have donated over 20 million meals to fight hunger with Feeding America. If you don't love them, exchange for a new pair or return them for free within 30 days. There's no risk when you shop with Shady Rays. Their team always has your back. And exclusively for our listeners, Shady Rays is giving out their best deal of the new year. Go to ShadyRays.com, use promo code DaneMore for 50% off two plus pairs of polarized sunglasses. Try for yourself the shades rated five stars by over 20,000 people. Today's show is brought to you by Factor, and Factor is America's number one ready-to-eat meal kit that can help you fuel up fast this spring with ready-to-eat meals delivered straight to your door. If you're just too busy to cook this spring with Factor, skip the trip to the grocery store, skip the chopping, the prepping, and the cleaning up. Factor's fresh, never-frozen meals are ready in just two minutes, so all you got to do is heat them up and enjoy, and then you can get back outside. For me, why I've used Factor is to cut back on takeout. Save me money. It's definitely saved me time waiting for the food to get delivered. And the food's just healthier. They offer a variety of options on the menu, keto, calorie smart, vegan, protein plus. All of those options are prepared by chefs and approved by dietitians. So each meal has all of the ingredients you need to feel satisfied. And honestly, it just tastes good. So head to factormeals.com slash danemore50 and use code danemore50 to get 50% off your first box. That's code danemore50 at factormeals.com slash danemore50 to get 50% off your first box. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, Britt, we can we can continue talking uh, about, about Carl Anthony Towns because he is the head of the snake um, in this. 
He is the the primary weapon in this, and he's probably the most variable well, weapon not only that, that the Wolves could have. His, his vulnerabilities in the past have been defense and psyche in reverse order, sometimes di different ways. You get under Cat's skin, you have the ref do, you know, you clap a little bit too hard next to him when a ref makes a call against him. You, you know, you do a few things to get under his skin. Um, you go at him, you make him commit the third foul when he's, you know, already in a mind that he's, you know, doing things, whatever. All I'm saying is you, it feels like you can mentally play with Cat on the court if you're devious enough and good enough as a ball player to do it. Um, and defensively, there have obviously been times when Cat has struggled with quick decision-making, exactly what I was talking about before. And also physically, I just feel like he's not a gazelle out there. He is a horse out there. Uh, no knock against him. People have built certain ways. And the Wolves have asked him to be uh, doing some gazelle-like things with that horse body. So what I find compelling and why I talk about, you know, the temptation of an upset, I won't call an upset because I don't think it's going to happen, but I think it's going to be a a lot more fun than people may imagine. And even if it's just within the games, the Wolves lose, I think they're going to not be blowouts. I think they're going to be good games. I think the Wolves are ready to do, do some things. And I think Cat in particular, he's flipped me over. I mean, I, I, I feel like the maturity I saw against the Thunder was in a, a elimination play-in game was really admirable. And I feel like his defense, ever since he's been back practically, has been, you know, since the beginning of the year, I've, I've questioned his defense in space. I am thinking now that because I'm looking for it and I the times I see it, I, I log it, but... He is not playing bad defensively right now, I don't think. Disagree. You think he's playing bad defensively? Per, whenever perimeter, perimeterly or, oriented Perim to the perimeter? Uh -huh. Yes. I thought I thought he did a bad job on the perimeter guarding Lou Dort, understanding the space, when to go, when to come off of that. Um, I, think, I think you're being clouded by the offense being awesome. And actually, the rim protection being good, I yeah. think he's he's finding that. Part You're right. Well. He's been better as a center, but I also don't think he's been. And maybe it's the team concept, but I don't think his defense has been as bad as it was. I, I I'm not I'm not necessarily saying that. I, I, there's different ways to talk about this. Is is he defend, defending with is a he team concept on defense? You but, say no though. Overall. Well, well, that was, or maybe in space. You're saying in space he's still problematic. Yes, and what I would say is perhaps. But he's playing better within the team concept. That was the yeah. that was their best defensive game of the entire season, and he was a huge. He played 
30 minutes in right. the game and, and was a, right. absolutely a part of that. And I, feel, I, also th- I think that um, you feel better about him in the in the one thing that you've been so afraid of the entire <laughs> season is cat guarding fours who could shoot. You feel better about that now than you have before. And I don't, I don't mean this to like bag yeah, on no, Kat. No, Kat's no, doing no, all no, these no, awesome no. things. I actually, That's the one thing I he's do. terrible at right now. I so. do. I, I think that what I am seeing is I am seeing more switching and more ability. That's team concept. But, but again, you know, I, it, even if he's being hidden better, um, I don't think that he is, I don't think he's playing that badly. I do. I have to go back to it. It, well, the way I started this is when I notice it, I log it and then think I'm being overly biased. But I do think that Cat is learning how, maybe he's just learning how to play better in that. He's got to be a linchpin between the wing stoppers and Rudy as a rim protector. He's neither nor, he's you know not A or B. Um, but I feel like he's a better bridge than he's been in the past, yes. Yeah, well, I, I mean, I think we're maybe lost in some semantics there because I'm not saying it's all been bad with him. Again, best defense. It was actually their best defensive rating of the entire season uh, last night. Oh, was it? Was yeah, it 90, under 90? 92-2. Yeah, that's and, very good. And I think I had it up earlier. It was like 95 was their, A lot of their that. Best Talk about head of the snake. I mean, not cut off. <laughs> yes. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I just, I, that's why I think it is going to be interesting, the cap matchup specifically, as, I mean, it's, He's basically playing the D-Lo role defensively right now. <laughs> he is. I mean, why he's guard, an, he guarded a, Lou Dort. You know, I mean. Yeah, but Lou Dort, Lou Dort lives to be guarded by people who can't Brett, guard the three. Who would have, if D'Angelo Russell was on the Minnesota Timberwolves, who would have D'Angelo Russell know, been guarding know, last night? I know, Lou Dort. Like, it is, he is in the hiding spot. So that's and an that's not even right there. That's not even an indictment. That's, it's not because Carl is a terrible defender. It's because Carl's being asked to play power forward, which he, defensively can't play right so you thus need to hide him did the you same hear way- what he said though at the end of the game the other night most of my time is at center did you hear that phrase he still thinks of himself well, what i mean who <laughs> all right i mean what do you what does that mean i think it he's means playing- often, if you watch them he's not on the perimeter all the time he, on what even side when of- rudy's in the game so so rudy no, no. So Rudy's both, playing power forward, or he did he did one are, behind the back dribble, and now he's a guard. <laughs> no, Carl I mean, plays the majority. It doesn't what matter. What I'm saying is that that um, yeah. the Wolves are maybe getting away with the idea that they don't have to have either one of those guys out on the perimeter. On what side of the ball? Carl plays on the perimeter on defense all the time, and he plays on the perimeter on offense all the time. He's absolutely a wing player. I I, I, say, I don't know. I mean. I guess it depends on how you want to define that, but he's a four. He plays the four. But he is oftentimes guarding beneath the arc. Can can you can you think of it at one play last night where you say that was a play where Carl Anthony Towns was the center? Other side of the ball. Well, I mean Did he post uh, up he, on the block? He, I mean I, what? I actually yeah, there were a couple of times where he closed down, he pinched from the wing and got stops at the rim. Who is he guarding? 
I don't think he was helping. He wasn't guarding. I might have been in zone. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't, I don't know. I, I don't think Carl plays center on the team. No, 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 no. I'm not saying. Well, he does when Rudy's not on the floor. Obviously, yeah, yeah. But the the majority of his minutes are next are to Rudy. Rudy, right? Obviously, in the Lakers me, game, you're right. He played center all but the time. That's what made me think that he. Remember how we always were saying he would be down on the near the rim when Rudy was there and he'd be right next to him and not really yeah, yeah, yeah. cross match. Yeah. I, I think that there's still an element of that at the same time there is a greater recognition that he needs to be out in space and not rim protecting. I, I, I feel like you are usually on stronger ground than I am on this because you have a better sense of systems on defense. But I still... When I watch the games, I see Cat being more effective on defense. And sometimes it's in a team system. And sometimes it's that maybe it's that he isn't chasing on the perimeter. And sometimes maybe it's better to just let the sh let Lou Dort be I, wide open. I, I really liked parts of the things Carl did defensively in uh -huh. that game. And they the, the game plan was to take away the paint. It, in terms of helping, that was right. that was the defensive game plan in that game. I, I'm not I'm not disagreeing with you. And he did a really good job on that. Right. I'm talking about in an individual matchup while being tasked with guarding Lou Dort or a perimeter oriented right. player when he had to chase them or make a decision to stay on them or release in a screen situation. He fumbled that a lot. Okay, and what that's what I, I'm saying. And tell me if this is wrong or not. I think. The Wolves know that, and they don't have those situations nearly as much as they did before. I, I would agree it, it was less frequent. Um, but also, just in terms of team, I don't think they... This team is not playing that kind of spatial man defense. I mean, a factor we need to consider here, too, is that, you know, this is the playoffs now. It's a seven-game series where you pick at weaknesses. Right. So... So we'll see. The Nuggets will tell us what's fool's gold and what's real. I mean, what? Like, they're going to pick at Cat on defense and most likely effectively in this series. And and again, I'm not. I, so I feel who like I'm is just shooting from outside. Michael Porter Jr., who he could. It, I mean, Aaron Gordon will shoot threes too. Those will be the guys he's guarding. I'll take the Aaron Gordon threes. Yeah. Which is like the door. Lou that, that's Lou Dort. Yeah. yeah. And and that, that was part of the frustration I had with Carl guarding Dort yesterday is Dort made some threes as Dort does make some threes. Right. He's not a good shooter. Right. But, but he, he shoots them. He's a willing shooter exactly. when he's open. And that, he actually burned the Pelicans. Just with that. In the first half of that play-in game. I feel like it's a uh, that's a problem the Wolves should live with. Yeah. I... And, as long as it's not Michael Porter, if he's hot, and I'm not you saying have to it's change. necessarily death. I was right. just, I you, I don't. That got ten minutes on what what I meant by what I was saying. But <laughs> well, I just that, don't you think know, it was he's you, great. Partly that. because I think that we're both trying to defend ourselves when maybe we agree with each other more than we think. We've done that before. All right, let's uh, let's talk about uh, <laughs> fifty-two minutes into this podcast and have talked more about Josh Minot than Rudy Gobert. All right. Um, that that 
is kind of a telling thing in and of itself. Let's talk a little bit about uh, Gobert and Mike Conley. I, I think we've we've kind of skipped over them a little bit in this. They're the most experienced players mm-hmm. um, that the the Wolves have in in terms of playoff experience. And you know, I was thinking about it last night after you know Nikhil played in the game. Right, and he started next to Mike Conley and Rudy Gobert, which actually did uh, a couple times last season uh, with the Utah Jazz. And I just pulled up the not the, the last the season Utah Jazz. No, no, I just I just pulled up the Jazz's roster last year. And and the Wolves roster's not that different right now. I I I wrote this down. I wrote this down somewhere. Um when you think about it, so so Rudy Bogdanovich, Donovan Mitchell, Joe Ingles, Mike Conley, Royce O'Neal, Nikhil Alexander Walker, Jordan Clarkson, right? Mm-hmm. Kind of their their main guys. They had Hassan Whiteside too. Right. But so Rudy equals Rudy. Bogdanovich equals Cat. Mitchell equals Ant. Ingles equals Anderson. Conley equals Conley. O'Neal equals Prince. Nah equals Nah. And Clarkson equals Noel. The only yeah. one that the Wolves are egregiously losing there is Clarkson versus Noel. And they're really winning Bogdanovich versus Cat. Right. I mean, this Wolves team is definitely more talented than last season's Utah Jazz. Just in terms well, of, right? if you had Rudy Gobert being Utah Jazz, Rudy Gobert. Well, that's the that's exactly. what you basically were setting up there. <laughs> and and what I was going to say is they are the two most experienced. When you said that, I was saying, yeah, well, I count the experience of one guy. I don't count the experience of the other guy mm. because I will tell you that Mike Conley's experience inspires faith in reliability to me. Yeah. Um, I don't want to get into a Gobert rant right now because uh, his second half actually was quite good last night. Sure. Um, A couple nights ago, once people hear this, um, I think Rudy Gobert needs help to be really beneficial to this team. He needs people not necessarily going 100% into what they do. He needs people who are going 80% into what they do and 20% into helping what Rudy does. Mm-hmm. And I don't think when you pay the treasure they paid, and, and you know, we won't, I hope we don't have to keep saying that years and years down the road, that the, 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 the cost of Gobert, the sting of it will lessen to the point where we just take him on his own terms. It's not necessarily his fault that Tim Connolly overpaid for him. But at the end of the day, a guy who was that highly regarded should not be somebody who is siphoning the ability of other players to benefit his game and to fulfill his game. Mm. And I think that happens a lot on this Wolves team. And so what I'm saying is that when you say, let's talk about Gobert, let's talk about Conley. I think if you talk about Mike Conley, it's a very easy conversation. You say, Mike Conley looks at what the team needs that night and does his best to give it to them. And sometimes it's wildly successful and sometimes it's an incredibly noble effort. But either way, hats off. Yeah. Rudy Gobert, there are some times when um, his rhythm and the team's rhythm is the same rhythm, 
There are times when the matchups are beneficial. Uh, there are times when uh, he gets a couple of buckets or a nice block or somebody else goes on a nice run and he's playing in a 15-10 game rather than a 10-15 game. Um, it's been a while. There was a period of time in the middle of the season where Gobert's defense was a was a an an anchor was a thing that this team absolutely evolved around. Um, I don't feel like Rudy Gobert on the floor is necessarily something that now everybody um it he doesn't Caters make to. everybody better anymore. It seems to me. Uh, I it is might that be, in, is that, that with might the be an overreaction? Back? Huh. Do you think that that's had some shifted? of what cast back, but it's also um, he's just been incredibly inconsistent. Yeah. Um, and what what would you reasonably like to see from him? And if you could hit like a couple bullet points, like reasonable to hit bullet points from Rudy Gobert in this series, I would like to see him um, concentrate on averaging four points and two assists a game. And being able to defend four points a game. In other words, I don't care about your offense. Okay. All right. I don't care about your offense. I want you to have made this year's leap, expanding your sphere of influence on defense so that it is not necessarily paint, mm. that you are as reliable. When he plays Dallas, I want him to play the NBA, the way he plays Dallas. I want him to guard good people on the perimeter, get back when he can get back, understand when he can't get back, and do something else well. I want him to be a smart defensive player that fulfills many of his great gifts on defense. Outside of just the basic drop concept, rim defense, and, deter and shots. And he has shown flashes of that. I know. I, I actually really agree with that. I think he has more of that in his bag than he ever defensively has shown. Like, I think he could get out. And remember, I mean, just that the Boston game comes to mind. Yeah. Of like, a lot of different switches. Like, and capable. he really can capably, as capably as, you know, any center kind of right. can, switch on to a Jason Tatum or a Jalen Brown and be like, yeah. I mean, Jalen Brown, just, they're probably going to win that the majority of the time. Yeah. But if that's... Uh, but that's a great... If you have Rudy Gobert there... I will tell you. I mean, it's a guaranteed two points if it's like Jock Landale who switched on to Jason One thing that is Tatum. still true about Rudy Gobert, you know, as much as I just ripped him, is that he does deter decisions by opponents. When they see him, he, Massive way. they still say, okay, I'll pass. Mm -hmm. You know, literally, I'll, I will pass on this one. Um, but that's what I mean about, so when... You're doing a high pick and roll and Rudy's there. I want to see that always be, I'll pass or I'll do this. Right. Um, I don't know. Maybe some of it is coaching schemes and just the fit. And just, I think also as much as I just got through saying about everybody concentrating on how much displacement value he has on this roster, let's make Rudy better. We've got to make Rudy better. Um, rather than how is Rudy making everybody else better. Um, it's to justify a philosophy that I think is a fatally flawed philosophy, which is that Rudy Gobert was the right 
cog for this roster. Yeah. Let's just make the best of what it is, and it may still be pretty damn good, but it is not what people thought it was in October. And so... It's not what the coaching staff thought it was. It's not or, what the front I mean, office did. Until or, I yeah, saw yeah, him yeah. and Cat play. Right. Uh, but, I mean, it's like, you know... Yeah. Um, And this isn't, you know... Rudy Gobert... No, I, I, you're onto something. Like, the best path forward with Rudy Gobert for this series... And for next season is role player and nothing more. It just elite is. role player what he does. Right? It, exactly. It just is. And and no more wishful thinkings about him developing the Eurostep bag or or you know, being able to really, you know, individually be a heavy volume post up player. We talked last week about like, yes, would we like to see him add a little flip shot for when he does catch it at eight feet? Sure. Would I like to see him? Develop the most basic post move of all time, a left shoulder, right hand hook shot. Yes. Um, he can't do any of those things anymore. The whole beginning of the season was an offensive pursuit of trying to see if he could do those things. He can't. And until he shows he has more of those things in his bag, be the best rim protector in the league. Be an, an elite offensive rebounder. Be the lob threat when it's there. I mean, they're, they're, those are elite role player things, but that's the path to me. That's the path forward here. Okay, and what I'm saying in addition to that, a little bit of a tweak on that, and you were right. That is what I was saying. But I also want to see if Rudy isn't getting 12 to 14 points, he feels like he's playing a bad game. His metric of what a good game and a bad game is is I've got to be great rim protector, and get 12 to 14. What I'm saying is I want the metric to change to I am a great defender from 2 feet to 16 feet or 2 feet to 14 feet, not 2 feet to yeah. 10 feet or 2 feet to 8 feet. And the the offense is whatever it is at right. the end of the day. I don't want his metric to be if I'm getting four points, I've been involved in this huge trade, I'm not fulfilling my role. Let's talk about winning. This team is going. In fact, I actually think that the concentration on how could Rudy develop on offense is killing the offense. Yeah. So let's. If Rudy, if Rudy mentally, and, and a coach would know this, like the coaches would know this. If Rudy mentally does need to not be the four point guy and he does need to get 15 points a night then you absolutely have to run high pick and roll in a spread offense. And we have now 84 games that says this coaching staff hates doing that. Well, the one coach anyway. We don't know how the other people feel. Well, I, I don't know. I mean, they, right. they, Finch does not. They do not do it. it, is, he, it well, he it doesn't is, like the game. He, it he, is he, the he, absolute polar right, opposite right. Of, of of Quinn Snyder. So one of those immovable forces right, need, right, to, right. need to move. Right. And that's going forward. But it seems like because Finch holds the keys that that one ain't changing. So Rudy has to thus change into elite role player to be as in to maximize his impact and to point as high as we can to that ceiling. We were talking about. Earlier. Right. And unfortunately, I think the go bear Jokic matchup, Rudy doesn't match up fantastically with Denver in general, because Denver has a lot of screwy front court parts, you know, I mean, who is the perfect matchup for Rudy among those three? You would say Aaron Gordon only because it's worked, but 
If I was Denver, I just wouldn't worry about it. Yeah. I mean, he's just it's just like playing in the dunk. I mean, like, you know, respect it, like respect the lob threat, but right. I'm being way more intentional about all right, how do we match up with Cat? How do we match up with Ant? We gotta make sure we have guys who can, you know, stay in front of Mike right. Conley, get out to shooters. Like that's the guy I'm coming closest to ignoring is is Rudy Gobert. If I'm absolutely Mike Malone. And if I'm Mike Malone or somebody in that locker room, I would begin to think about, let's just tell Bruce Brown to make Mike Conley feel 40 years old. Just let's, it's hmm. not cutting off the head of the snake, but it's cutting off some of the, the brain of the snake. Uh, and guarding Mike Conley like Jared Vanderbilt guards Anthony Edwards. Yes. And Bruce Brown can do that. Yeah, he can. And that's what I would do. I that's mean, because Mike Conley is so good mm -hmm. at filling gaps and being the flow of water over this team. When he can just head up, see, breathe, move where the defense is moving. And you've got a guy eight to ten years younger yeah. than him who can hound. He, he is a hound. And he is, quote, unquote, the point guard. He's a lot of very, I mean, his numbers are pretty good as a point guard, but he's not a point guard. He's everything you wanted Josh Okogie to be. <laughs> oh, without a doubt. I mean, except for the style. You can't, he doesn't have Okogie's style. I always wanted Josh Okogie to be what Bruce Brown was well, and, in and, Brooklyn. You know, because Bruce Brown has a shot. He found a floater. No. Bruce Brown was used as a screener. That's why I wanted I Josh. I, oh, We're not talking right, about We can't right, talk about it. That's right. I forgot. I we, forgot. We will talk about Josh Okogie plenty once the Wolves are out of the playoffs and we can. Once they're playing Phoenix once after they beat yes, Denver. My my finals <laughs> pick. I, my, my last thing uh, uh, on the Wolves I have written down here that I, I just want to touch. I was, and once I got to my hotel and I was waiting for you to get here, I had the, the Knicks and Cavs game on and I was Woo. half napping. And... Uh, they, they, I don't remember who was calling the game, um, but they talked about the Knicks understanding the weight of the moment in, in having been to the playoffs these, these last few years for being a still, I mean, that's not like an old team, right? No. Relatively young. They've been there and, you know, for Tibbs's warts, like he instills that type of culture into them. But that was two years ago. Was it? Did they make it last year? Uh, I'm trying to remember if I they faltered one of the last two. Yeah, years. yeah, yeah, yeah. Last year they did. Okay. Whatever. It isn't even. This isn't even about the Knicks. It's just. Okay. It's just this idea of there's value in like understanding the weight of the the moment and being able to like step on top of that rather than being crushed by it. It's not normally the type of basketball stuff I like to get into. Right. But it. But it is a thing in the playoffs, and it's like, Ant was this guy, who you would have came like if we're having this conversation a month ago. You're like. Ant is going to be the dude that is going to understand the weight of the moment is going to step on top of it and be that, you know, and, and that isn't going to, that isn't going to hurt him. And I am just, I really don't know what to expect from this Wolves team collectively in their ability to kind of live and survive and not get buried by the weight of the moment. And what else is new? Series. I mean, uh, unfortunately. <laughs> what else is new? We don't know shit about this team. because Well, so yeah, I mean, it is. I mean, well, as somebody who writes a weekly column, which means that two things, I'm 
I'm taking the temperature of a team over a period of time and saying, this is a trend. And then that piece stays up for six days. <laughs> you really get to know how changeable a team is when you're hung out to dry on at least 50% of your columns <laughs> that are out there saying one thing while the reality is the opposite, right. you know? And I am no dumber or smarter than I've been in other years when I've had a lot better batting average than I've had this year. It's the team. It's not me. This team is not a trendy team other than the fact that you don't know what's going to happen. If somebody had said we consistently the Wolves lost to the Thunder by a dozen last night, yeah, you would say, oh, yeah, well, that makes sense. Instead, the Wolves just like thrashed them. And there, there's an argument to say, well, that makes sense. Um, I come back to what I've said a few times in this podcast. I think they feel good about playing Denver, better than you would expect an eight seed against a one seed. Sure. I think that they, I think Cat, who mentally needs to be right for things to go well, doesn't have the respect of He Jokic. seems like he's in a good place mentally. I don't know. Sorry, that's not where you were really, going. No, but, in yeah. a really good place. But also, I think even when he's not in a good place, he's in a better place if he thinks he's playing Jokic mm. as opposed to a uh, half dozen other centers who give him a right. lot of trouble. Um, and which isn't to say that Jokic, you know, the Jokic-Cat matchup is that even. Jokic is still... I, in my opinion, the MVP. But matchups are crazy things, and the Wolves don't have a terrible matchup in this series, I don't think. The, 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 as usual, their greatest enemy is their own unreliability. I I agree with that. I there, You said at one point earlier um, about blowouts and, like, you don't think they'll get blown out. I... I I guess this is the, the prediction segment, but like, I think they'll get blown out twice. <laughs> like I do. Memphis and, and I think, I think they will win two games, uh-huh. which is actually like going six against them. Yeah. And, and, and for me to feel pretty confident about saying that they will win two games, which I am. Yeah. Is saying it could reasonably get to a game seven. Yeah. That, that is a pot. I'm acknowledging that very much as a possibility. And then, you know, like game seven, whatever, like anything can happen. Uh, but I do think the floor will absolutely crater in two games and they will lose twice by See, 25 and that's plus that's too points. bad because I think I think you want it to be I think that <laughs> they can quicken and catalyze if a couple of things happen. If Cat and Ant stagger great games and they go up like 2 to 1 then it gets really interesting. Yeah, well, of course that would make it interesting. I I I get. I'm not obviously it's not a zero percent chance, but I don't think that's well, I mean, likely. I, there are definitely precedents. I mean, the, the Wolves went up two to one on Seattle like way back when in the Marbury days, and they I'm had not uh, totally uh, sure how that's a precedent for this. Series. Well, because um, because the the level great of competition. Players oh, okay, I get what you're saying. Coming up and just basically that was a cat gamer. That was a Marbury game. That was a ant game. Um. There is the capability of a player just to snatch something. Um, and to be fair, 
in the long run, the teams usually win over the individuals anyway. Um, which is why you probably end up picking Denver in the series. I do, right? Or, or, I, do. or I mean, not, not even I'm, you, the, yeah, the royal, I, the royal I, I, you. It'll be anywhere from five to seven. It but, won't be a sweep, in my opinion. Uh, and when I say five to seven, that's just the unreliability right. of the wolves. I've learned, you know. But it, but this is, if if you're a fan of the wolves or if you're us covering it, it's what makes it so much more of a fun one eight series to cover. Oh yeah, is that it? It does have that potential to get frisky. Whereas again, I think I said earlier, it's not like one of those one eight series with when Orlando would be the eighth seed for so many years in a row, or even like Brooklyn, Philly this going on right now like this this very much can be a series in the way that so many 1-8 series right and brooklyn philly is what three six yeah well that's i mean that's what's crazy no but i mean that the super teams in the nba in 22 23 and i've watched a lot of nba are in the east i mean uh, milwaukee boston and philly i think are the three best teams in the nba and um, I just want to say on the podcast is I don't even know if anyone's listening at this point anymore. But like <laughs> me and Brett, I, I, we've been arguing about fest midway through. You you are not giving Phoenix enough love. In, no, I'm not in this in this playoff. That is that is me and Brett actually when we sit next to each other at games we don't talk about the Wolves that much. <laughs> we talk about other things, often other right, NBA right. things, and that is one of our biggest points of contention is yep. is Phoenix. But anyways, continue. No, no, and and. and to continue that for just a minute, I would say that uh, you were right in the bubble. You picked the Lakers, star-studded team, and they came through. I bought a lunch for you over it. Um, I was wrong about the Brooklyn Nets, and I probably didn't buy you. I think maybe I did buy you. <laughs> yeah, one. you probably did. But to my point, Denver is the number one seed, yes. They are playing... And their caliber of their team is equivalent to, in the last dozen years or so, a number three seed in the West, mm-hmm. I would say. I would agree with that. Maybe two. Um, I'm a little bit higher on Denver than than you are. I think Denver is, is still a very good team. And if Phoenix doesn't come out of the, the West, that, that's my next Well, they're 15th team. on defense. They're yep. fifth on offense. Um, that's not a powerhouse. Mm-hmm. Um they're a top five offensive team, and they have the MVP. And Caldwell Pope has been a really good player. And, you know, I've got to give it up to Michael Porter Jr. for improving as a two-way player. I don't think their bench is much. And I also think that when you have a player, I mean, what did I tell you at the beginning of the season and I still would pick the Cavs over the Knicks. But I said that Donovan Mitchell, the better he is, he he is taking, he's he's tilting the offense toward him too much for the Cavs to be healthy that way. Mm-hmm. I mean, you got guys like Garland and Jared Allen and and maybe not um, you know, the Mobley, but you've got guys who are capable offensive players who are watching Donovan Mitchell shoot. And I, I don't think that works as well. Um, so, you know, I, I, I just feel like 
Denver and Jokic is still as good of a team player as he is. Um, you get spoiled. Yeah. And they are not, I don't think they are that equipoised, great, balanced juggernaut. Um, and I think you, you may be thinking about picking Phoenix over them right yeah. as we speak. Yeah. I mean, I think I, I might think take, Jokic, I might take Memphis over them if it came yeah. to that. And it would be interesting to see the first round and, you know, maybe right. the Wolves are out level a little bit more time to <laughs> yeah. dig into this. Now, this you know, they'll, they'll clean everybody's clock and yeah. win it all and more power to them. But to, to kind of wrap up, and this is tangential to obviously the Wolves series, because it's Jokic. I, I, I think the way I think about the whole MVP debate is that Nicole Jokic is the most impactful player in the NBA. Joel Embiid is the most dominant player in the MB, in the NBA. And Giannis Antetokounmpo is the best player in the NBA. I would agree with all three of those statements. And I don't know what the hell that means in terms of for, for MVP. I just know the Wolves are playing the most impactful player in the NBA for seven games. And it, and it starts tomorrow. And it would be a hell of an accomplishment to compete with that team and show that you haven't been the shit show that everyone thinks you are right now. Um, and I think they have, I, I think they have, again, I said this today. I said it last night with Carl or with Kyle, they got buttons they can push. There, there are enough buttons that they can push that, you know, if they push six of the eight, it's going to be a seven game series. If they push only four of them, you know, it's probably five. Um, it, it depends. Like what of these, these inflection points uh, are they going to win? They probably got to push all eight. Um, to be able to beat Nikola Jokic, but uh, it is kind of rare in a one-eight series that that many things even, even, even exist. So, and it is less true in the playoffs than it is in the regular season. But I think it has been so dominant in the regular season that it bears repeating, even in the playoffs against the number one seed. How the Wolves play may be more important than who they play. Oh, and we got 84 games of evidence of that. And even against the number one seed in the conference, that may be the case. Mm -hmm. If the Wolves play their game. It doesn't game, mean they have a better chance at beating Denver than Detroit, but it means that they have a chance. What it means them. is yeah. if the Wolves it play their game, the, the Wolves have proved if they play their game, they can beat anybody. And if they don't play their game, they can lose to anybody. I literally heard Mark Laurie say that to Kyle Anderson in the locker room last night. <laughs> Which I know you hate. Oh, dear. now I'm embarrassed. <laughs> <laughs> I'm spouting Mark Laurie's and stuff. Uh, hey, I don't know, man. Maybe, maybe he's a, maybe, maybe he's the a smart baseball guy. cap guy has a thought to it. <laughs> All right, Britt. We're uh, let, let's let's wrap this let's wrap this up. Um, as always, you guys can um, follow Britt on Twitter uh, at Britt Robson. I'm sure as we are going to be sitting here in Denver for five days. I will uh, bug Britt to do another podcast. Maybe that one won't be for 90 minutes like this one, but I uh, appreciate you uh, listening to this one. And I'm, we're just going to, there's not going to really be a schedule throughout this week. I'm going to do as, uh, as many pods as I can with as many people uh, out here as I can. I hope the audio uh, worked here. We're using a little bit different in-person in equipment. I, I could just see on my mic here that it was going a little hot, a little cold. Uh, at different times. So we'll keep working on that. It's maybe it sounded better than Zoom. 
I, I, I don't know. Uh, but uh, again, thank you for listening. Thanks to Britt for coming on. Uh, follow him on Twitter at Britt Robson. Read him over at minpost.com. We've got a game tomorrow, and then I will be doing a podcast with someone on, uh, on Monday morning to talk about whatever happens in game one. Until then, he's Britt. I'm Dane. Peace out. How I'm feeling, man, I hope it never stops, yeah. Green and hot so you can find me in the crowd, yeah, yeah. Don't let standards ever, ever bring you down, yeah. Hope you dancing like nobody else around, yeah.